Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, February the 9th. And our top story today is about a Kent mum who's calling for universities to have a legal duty of care over their students after her daughter took her own life. Phoebe Grime was just 20 when she died while studying at Newcastle University in 2021. Although she'd been given some counselling, her mum doesn't think it was enough. Hilary has been speaking to Gabriel Morris from our colleagues at KMTV. Phoebe was an incredible person in so many ways. I know sort of probably people think, always think that about their children, but um, she was exceptional. She was great fun, uh, intelligent. She was uh, got her posthumous degree from Newcastle Uni for philosophy. They said she would have got a first if she'd have finished it. Um, really full of life, um, courageous, up for anything, entertaining. Um, but most of all, she was really kind and caring and compassionate. But she was struggling at university, and my understanding is that the university were aware of this. She struggled pretty much from the beginning. Um, I think it's wrong that universities make students choose their accommodation within the first month because she hadn't got to know people and I think that they feel very pressured to sign up so that was unfortunate and she really struggled with lockdown and then the amount of work to do so the university which was really good of them did keep um, a very detailed timeline of Phoebe it's uh, 95 pages of mental health and 75 pages of academic and she's only there 18 months, so it was very thorough. So we got the timelines via the coroner, and it was only then that um, I realised, well, I realised what a terrible situation she'd been in for some time. And let's talk, let's talk about June 2021. When did you first find out? Well, I had a, a phone call um, from the police. I was at somebody's house, and then um, took the... Uh, seven-hour journey up to Newcastle as, as quickly as, as um, we could. But unfortunately, um, Phoebe died about seven hours after we got there. So, um, yeah, a really terrible, terrible time. And now coming on two years, it's, it must still be a traumatic experience for you. There isn't a word in the English dictionary to describe the grief of losing a child. And the sort of closest word to it, I think, is brutal. I think that... Um, unmeasurable love that you have for a child brings unmeasurable pain. I'd never forsake the greatest of love for the greatest of pain. I'm really grateful for the 20 amazing years that Phoebe shared with us. The difficulty is, is it's not only our own grief, it's also that the, what I find really difficult is, is Phoebe's took her life at age 20. She never experience she had a whole life in front of her and a life cut short too too soon is is difficult as well um and of course i believe that um it could have been prevented and uh, i do believe she should have been here she should be here today when um somebody i feel like that when phoebe died a big glass bulletproof piece of glass came down in front of us and um, I can look back and see that the life that we had 
um, but I can scream and kick and I can't get back so I have to turn around and try and make my own path slowly. Okay, and this is one of the Learn Network's first aims, isn't it, to get this petition through to the government, 100,000 signatures um, for legislation to change. I'm not doing this because uh, I'm wanting sympathy or that I really want to, to show my vulnerability and, and bear my soul to the world. I'm doing this um, to make change. We're all doing this to make change together. And we need to have a debate in Parliament to discuss this because at the minute, universities, there is no legal duty of care. There's no common law duty of care, which was proven in the case in May 2022 when the judge ruled that, that there is no um, precedence, there is no statutory duty of care, and if there was, Bristol would have failed it. So there's a huge gap um, because there's a statutory duty of care in employment um, and in lower education, so for, for everybody else, but not for students. And it's so fundamental to have um, a tight framework with the right focus, um, measurable standards um, related to core processes, which is academic teaching and student support. And it has to be made legal so that you can't manage what you can't measure. It has to be measurable and it has to be across all of the universities. So to be fair, some of the universities are doing some really, really good things. Um, I went to a conference last week and was really impressed by they are acknowledging that there's a student mental health crisis. That's not the issue. And they are, are acknowledging that lots needs to be done about it. It's just that the universities are doing separate things. So as parents, we can't be expected to look into what that university is doing. Are they doing information sharing? What's the opt-in programme like? It has to be across the board, which is why it has to be... Um, made legal. More than 17,000 people have signed an online petition. It could be discussed in Parliament if it reaches 100,000 signatures. You can watch a report on this story on KMTV tonight from 5.30. If you miss it live, click on the KMTV tab on Kent Online to watch at any time. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today in a court's heard how an Ashford man decided whether or not to stab his partner by flipping a coin. Elric Meek also repeatedly choked and threatened her with blades in a campaign of abuse over six months in 2021. A judge told him no woman would be safe starting a relationship with you. The 42-year-old from Tufton Street has been locked up for four and a half years. He'll serve another year on licence. A motorcyclist who was seriously injured when he was hit by a car near Canterbury says he may never be able to play football with his son again. Leon Zanra spent seven weeks in hospital after a crash on the A257 last July. The 35-year-old from Sandwich has had to learn to walk again. The driver of the car that hit him has admitted two offences and will be sentenced in April. A man's been left with a fractured eye socket after a road rage attack at the Dartford Crossing. He was followed through the tunnel by two van drivers who forced him to stop and assaulted him in a lay-by. Essex police have told the podcast they're investigating. Now, strikes by firefighters in Kent have been postponed following an increased pay offer. Union members voted to walk out but a new deal 
result was agreed during talks yesterday. The 7% rise, which would be backdated to last July, will now be put out to a ballot. Elsewhere, though, there is disruption for students in Kent today and will be again tomorrow because uni lecturers have gone on strike. Union members are staging 18 days of action, actually, this month and in March. And again, that's in a dispute over pay. It'll affect those at the Uni of Kent and Canterbury Christchurch, as well as Greenwich Uni at Medway. And finally, on industrial action, there's disruption at the port of Dover today because of a strike over in France. Ferry services to and from Calais are suspended until four o'clock this afternoon. It comes ahead of industrial action by border force officers over half term next week. Now, an important meeting is taking place in Kent today to decide how much council tax we'll all have to pay. Bosses at County Hall in Maidstone will vote on their budget and are expected to approve a hike of just under 5%. That would see bills for an average Bandy house increase by £73 a year to £1,534. Here's our political editor, Paul Francis. It's an important meeting and not everyone gets a chance to uh, have a say on how £1.8 billion is spent, but that's what the county councillors attending the meeting will be doing now. The backdrop to this year's uh, budget has been one where the council, like a lot of public bodies, have uh, faced up to difficulties with uh, the economic crisis and the cost of living crisis. Uh, And the pressure on the county council has come from two main sources. And that is an increasing demand for care services in line with social demographics. There's obviously more people living longer and when they do live longer, they require certain perhaps need um, treatment and support. And, And the second area is on the budget for vulnerable children, looking after vulnerable children. Now, when it comes to where your council tax goes, um, much of it is invested in these core services, care services, and that is swallowing up an increasing uh, amount of money. And the leader of Kent County, sorry, and the leader of Kent County Council, along with his counterpart in Hampshire, at the back end of last year, wrote to the Chancellor, warning them that. Uh, the scale of savings that were needed, uh, contrasting with the increasing demand for services, was uh, placing councils in an impossible position where they might have to declare bankruptcy. Uh, That hasn't happened in Kent's case, but uh, it's had to dive into its reserves to prop up certain parts of the budget. uh, And just about is probably going to scrape through with this year's spending plans, but there are more difficulties around the corner. You can listen to bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM, for the very latest on this one. You can also let us know how any increase would affect you, of course, with the cost of living crisis going on at the moment. You can message via our socials or you can email news at thekmgroup.co.uk. Kent Online reports. A bit more crime news now and a suspected burglar has been charged after power tools were stolen from a home in Whitstable. The property on Cornwallis Circle was broken into last month 
A 34-year-old from Canterbury is due in court. Elsewhere, a quad bike, dozens of hedge trimmers and other stolen tools have been recovered by police near Dartford. They were all found in a storage unit on Watling Street in Bean. Several owners have been identified following burglaries in Kent and also in London, but so far no one has been arrested. And police have given us CCTV images of two women they want to speak to after cash was stolen from a pensioner's handbag in Maidstone. An envelope full of money was taken as the victim was paying for parking in the Mal shopping centre. This is one of our most read stories on the website today. Vandals have used rocks to smash streetlights in part of Ashford. Several have been damaged on Trinity Road in the Kennington part of town, which has been suffering from antisocial behaviour. Bus services in the area were previously suspended after missiles were thrown at vehicles. If you head to the site today, you can see pictures of that damage. Meantime, a Ramsgate mum says she's worried her toddler will get hurt by broken glass at a playground. Laura Grantham says Boundary Park is full of smashed wine bottles and lighters, describing it as not safe for children. The council say the mess has been cleared up and are blaming antisocial behaviour for the vandalism and littering. Now, there's going to be a crackdown on what have been described as garish shopfronts in Canterbury after the high street was likened to a second-class Las Vegas. Dozens of businesses are set to be ordered to remove bright signs, lights and change their paintwork if it doesn't comply with council rules. It's because of fears historic buildings in the city have been altered without approval, something that's actually a criminal offence. Well, reporter James Pallant has been speaking to people in the city. Canterbury's historic place and... Yeah, it'd be nice to keep everything in keeping with that, but at the same time, businesses want to make money, and it's a bit unfair to enforce things on them, you know, where they've potentially got out more money to spend. I always thought the shops were rather garish, and they all seem to have very similar names, it's all rather weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the lights on the high street were definitely a bit too far, I reckon. The, light, the lights have to go, but the signs and stuff, there are lots of shops that have garish signs, you know, like none of the shops here are awfully like stick in they're just planted onto old buildings they blend in a little more and i think it is very important to maintain the character of the town and i suppose that's all i have to say really so i would be supporting i suppose discreet The council's enforcement boss on this is Councillor Ashley Clark. This is what he's had to say. The district's history and heritage are the jewels in its crown and we need to move heaven and earth to protect it. We know businesses are facing a multitude of challenges, but it is vital we preserve the character of the areas that we love. Our residents and visitors demand nothing less. That is why we have invested in the planners and lawyers we need to make sure people follow the rules. I've been checking out some of your comments on this story today. Just another know-it-all says, why not let the locals decide and a vote? Who actually cares about a shop sign as long as it's not blatantly offensive? Who are these sad people that get offended so easy? Can't believe we pay these people to make decisions. It's almost like we're paying them to take away our freedom of choice bit by bit. Just my opinion. Another comment says, whilst reading this, as much as it's a valid concern for some people, I can't help but feel that there are more pressing issues that deserve immediate attention, like like antisocial behaviour. 
Nobody is being harmed by these signs should the authorities be dealing with harmful matters before moving on to more trivial complaints. And Ollie Onion finally says Las Vegas, even a second class one, would mean it's a happy and vibrant place. More like ghost town instead of clubs being closed down, all the shops have been closed down and they now are more interested in having a go at the shops that are open rather than wondering how to get some open, especially Nason's, Debenham's, the old curries, the list goes on. Well, you can still comment on this story today by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online reports. It's feared lives are being put at risk by delivery drivers ignoring no entry signs and driving along the pedestrian-only high street in Dartford. You can follow us on socials today to see video of couriers flouting the rules. The council say they're working hard to stamp out the problem, but add that it's the police who need to take action if any are spotted breaking the law. The force say they're aware of concerns and are working with the local authority. People living in Sevenoaks say they're being driven insane by a car park alarm that keeps going off. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's in the M&S car park on London Road. Now, it started sounding on Saturday and wasn't turned off until the following day. We have approached the company that owns the site for a comment. Folkestone Library is going to stay closed until at least the end of March after it was damaged by flooding. The County Council still looking into how they can reduce the cost of work required to reopen the building on Grace Hill. It's been shut since last December with services being provided at libraries in Hythe and Cheriton instead. Residents in part of Maidstone have criticised poor quality pothole repairs that have been carried out by the council. Work was done on Kent Avenue in Shepway last weekend, but the road's been left full of ridges because the new tarmac isn't flat. Well, KCC are encouraging people to report any issues using their website. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been finding out more about plans to release Iron Age pigs into an area of Kent Woodland. You've probably already heard about the wild bison that have been roaming around the West Bleen and Thorndon Woods near Canterbury. Well, they're part of a conservation project to help tackle climate change. And I've been chatting to Matt Hayes, who's from the Kent Wildlife Trust. There's three parts of the woods. Um, it's quite a big woodland. It's 550 hectares or so, the area that we're doing the project on. Um, and the bison will have 200 odd hectares of that, and they'll share that with uh, the ponies, and the pigs will be able to get into that area as well. And the cattle and the ponies will be in another part the woods also with pigs um and then there'll also be another area of the woods where there won't be any animals so people can still visit those sections if they don't want to accidentally come across an animal but it enables us to um, measure the differences in how that works for the biodiversity so we, we can survey and monitor everything and um, see see what the differences are in the three different approaches we're quite used to seeing cattle roaming around. We, we now know about the bison, but I haven't seen any pigs in the wild before. Um, how long has it been since we had pigs living wild in Kent? Um, there are some uh, pigs roaming around, but they're, they're not uh, owned by anyone, so to speak. So there are a few areas where there are wild pigs. And in other parts of the country, like the Forest of Dean, there are there are boreal pigs roaming around doing their job. Um but yeah, they are kind of a missing part of the jigsaw that uh, we're putting back in in this pro- in this uh, project. They obviously pigs uh, interact with the environment a bit differently to cows, for instance. The cows are grazing things that are above ground. The pigs will act on the soil a lot more than the other animals. They'll rootle around, um, dig up roots, and eat uh, rhizomes from different plants. Disturb the soil more. 
Um, and that that enables new species, gives a little opportunity of um, for seeds that are there waiting dormant to come up and it just generally get some change going. And how different do they look to pigs that we might have seen in a farmyard? <laughs> are, they, are they quite <laughs> different in appearance? They're not bright pink. They're not, they're... Um, they're kind of brownish coloured, a little bit more rougher, slightly more pointed snouts. Um, these these pigs that we're using, they're they're called Iron Age pigs. That's the breed that they're called. They're not really old from the Iron Age. They are just that's the breed they're called. Um, they're a crossbreed between uh, a Tamworth pig and a wild boar. So they're they're uh, they look a bit like a wild boar. They've got some features of that, but they're also uh, not as wild as a full wild boar, so they've got the domestic side in them as well. Now, obviously, we saw a baby bison appear a bit uh, surprisingly, a bit earlier, perhaps than you had anticipated. Are you expecting the pigs to be breeding as well? Is that the hope uh, that we'll see little little pigs at some point? Uh, no, um, pig, pigs breed really quickly. <laughs> uh, for one thing, um, in in farming systems, they can have litters of like 14 a time or so. So we, we wouldn't want that many pigs. We want to control the numbers. So for that reason and a few others, we're, we're not breeding uh, the pigs on site. Um, we're only having four um, and they're all females. So they won't be breeding. Um, we've, we've had them for a good while now. So we know that they're not pregnant Um and yeah, we'll just have the four and unless we decide in the future to add extra ones ourselves. Obviously, it's, it's a popular area. I'm sure lots of people have previously been there and, and been there for walks and what have you. Are you having to put restrictions in place or I'm sure you don't want someone necessarily stumbling across a bison or a, or a wild pig? I mean, what, what are the restrictions going to be? Yeah. So well, the bison are all fenced off separate. So you can't accidentally walk into those. Um, the there's a big visitors who've been to the site will have noticed the fencing going up in recent weeks and months. Um, there, as soon as there's there's new signs that we've put up on most of the entrances, we've got a few more left to do. But there, there's a code of conduct sign we're calling, which is has got a few basic do's and don'ts and uh, how to behave when you're on site. So um, a few th simple things like please keep your dog on a lead, um, give the animals a bit of space and respect their sort of respect their distance. Don't try and approach them or stroke them or pat them or anything. They're not pets. They are uh, animals doing a job in their in their wildish situation. Um, yeah, don't try to feed them, things like that. So we want their behaviour to... They're, they're, they're perfectly capable of feeding themselves, so they've got a lot of space to go and find and do their natural actions and do that job that we want them to do. The pigs are expected to be released in the next few weeks. Kent Online News. People living near Woodland on the outskirts of Canterbury fear it could be built on after being put up for sale. The land in Hurstdon, which is known as Pieswood, is on the market for more than half a million pounds. Drawings show how it could be used for five houses and ten flats, but residents say it would destroy local wildlife. Two parts of Kent have been named today as some of the worst places to live in the UK. It's all based on a poll of more than 100,000 people. Chatham is 39th on the list with Canterbury at number 47. We'd love to know what you think if you live in those two parts of the county i'm sure you want to defend them you can send us a message via our socials or comment on the story a shipwreck off the kent coast that contains rare victorian ceramics has been given special protection by historic england the josephine willis sank near folkestone harbour nearly 170 years ago and the wreck was identified by divers in 2018 you can see
see pictures of some of the cargo by heading to the website today or again following our socials. And finally, Freya Ridings has been chatting to our sister radio station KMFM about her new single Weekends and album Blood Orange. It's her first new music in three years and she can't wait for us to hear it. She was chatting to Molly on the hit list last night. It's kind of wild. Like, I've honestly been dreaming about this for so long that now it's happening. I'm just... I feel like I'm the only person in January that's just been skipping around like so joyful because it's like all of these this this new music is kind of the last three years of my life like in musical form so I just can't wait to start sharing it with people absolutely like was it nice to kind of take a step back it was I mean in some ways I feel like I was ready for a little break but no one was prepared for you know two and a half three years I was like I was so ready to come back after like three months I was like I really miss it (laughs) Um, and I love like playing live is such a huge thing for me and I've always adored it so much. So the idea of, you know, getting to play, we played the festivals over the summer and that was just like electric, like getting to be back on stage again. I was, I was just over the moon. So especially with new songs after so long. So yeah. We are loving weekends. It's, it's such a great track. It is like lyrically heartbreaking, but then it has this like energy that you want to dance to. Talk to me about it. (laughs) Weekends was such a journey like honestly I think basically it was one of the first songs that I wrote for the album and I was in a very very different headspace to the one I'm in now I was going through a really really tough breakup it was before the pandemic but I was I was kind of struggling with the idea that maybe to my ex it looked like I was surrounded by you know thousands of people every night on stage and stuff Um, and I love I love being around people so much but it was actually like one of the loneliest times of my entire life and I just felt like I didn't know how to say that or even if I could and I felt really embarrassed to say it but it kind of I sort of sang it straight from my subconscious just like into my iPhone voice memos and I was like holy crap I can never show anyone that that's too embarrassing um and then about six months later I was in the studio with Steve Mack who is one of my favorite producers of all time and I was quite nervous and he turns to me and he's like what is something that you've said to yourself recently that has like scared you and I was like oh god this voice memo that I have called Weekends, I'm really quite scared to show you it. Because I was just embarrassed, you know? It's like after a breakup, you kind of lost your best friend. So you don't really have anyone to turn to in those moments. And he's like, wow, that is so sad. Let's turn that very melancholic thing into something, you know, euphoric that you can feel like you've overcome it and danced to and like feel joyful to. So that's what we did. We kind of inspired by the 70s, kind of made a disco vibe. And also the video is like disco glam and you look incredible oh that's so kind of you thank you molly it was so it was kind of like a a 70s like fever dream kind of studio 54 thing and i really i was so inspired by the 70s for this album all aspects of music from the 70s and this is this is definitely the most disco one so i just thought i'd kind of go for like a super villain like a heartbroken super villain kind of vibe in the music video you can listen to the full thing by heading to kmfm.co.uk and clicking on podcasts well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok plus you can get the details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing and to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk watch it on the site today you can read our latest eat my words food review news you can trust this is the kent online podcast